Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, and I'm deep diving into the dynamics of mental well-being and, of course, resilience. We're on this 2024 journey on resilience. Last week, I talked about the building blocks of resilience, which was mostly about the child's environment and the opportunities that they have. This week, I'm going to jump into the key traits of resilient children so we can start looking out for those types of things. So these are the characteristics or qualities that the the children and teens or adults display themselves. So the traits are often observable in terms of behaviors and attitudes. Really, they represent the outward expression of an individual's resilience, and they often result from that innate personalities, you know, some of those innate factors that we see as well as their environment. So that would include their upbringing and the experiences that they've had so far. So we can nurture these. That's really important. We can strengthen resilience. Resilience really is more about the nurturing. But this is where we can start to see how some kids thrive through challenges, through trauma, through adversity, while others struggle, right? Even if it's in the exact same situation, why do we see some di- some of those differences? Now, just a reminder, if you're just joining me, but just a reminder, anyways, resilience, it's not just about bouncing back to where we were from adversity, right? It's its really more about, well, last time I was talking about thriving and growing from there. So it's really about children adapting to the situation, learning from that situation. And with that learning, then we're going to grow, right? And so we're thriving from those experiences. So resilience really is a combination of the environmental factors, as I discussed last week, along with certain skills that can be learned and attributes and behaviors that children can still develop from those experiences as they grow. Now, all children have different levels of resilience, of course, and all have different ways of responding to and recovering from stressful times. They're each developing their own pattern of behavior or ways to respond to stress, depending on whether they perceive the demands are bigger or smaller than what they believe that they can manage. Sounds very similar to anxiety. It's the anticipation of some outcome that I'm not sure of and the belief that I can't handle it. So they'll always have different ways of showing when those demands are being placed upon them that they feel like is outweighing their capacity to cope. It's too much. I can't handle it. So so some of them might become more emotional. They might withdraw. They might become defiant or angry or aggressive or even resentful. So, of course, even the most resilient of children have days when it just gets to be too much. But low resilience will sort of drive these certain patterns of behavior more often than with our high resilient children. So with our low resilient children, we see a lot more of those avoidant withdrawal behaviors, clingingness, dependency, tantrums, emotional meltdowns. That the anger, the aggression, the resentment, anxiety, defiance, vindictiveness, all of those types of things that we we adults would consider a problem. Conversely, our highly resilient children, they're empathetic, they're showing an interest in things like school, they're they're effective problem solvers, they're assertive, they take initiative, they're responsible, they're trustworthy, they're realistic and have a positive outlook on, you know, what the outcomes might be. They're independent, but they're also comfortable enough to ask help 
you know, for help when it's needed. So those resilient children, they're effectively responding to and coping with those everyday challenges. And most importantly, they see themselves as capable. I can handle it. It's tough. I don't like it. It's not preferred, but I can handle it. So they they know that they can handle, you know, their ability to cope with the situation, to get things done, to persist on the hard task to completion, to find solutions to a problem, to work through a friendship fire, to work through any challenge, really, um, to learn and master a new skill, even if it really is hard at first. Resilient kids, they're willing to take risks, and that's huge. Those risks, that's what helps them to learn and to grow, right? We need to take risks when we're learning. There was a time when we talked a lot about developing grit, and I know I've talked about this in past episodes, but unfortunately, sure, grit helps the rugged individual like I've talked about before, but those gritty kids, they don't experience much failure. And then later in life, usually when they're hitting those teen and adult years, when they do experience failure, they fall further and harder than the well-connected, resilient child who's experienced some failure at some point in their life, at least once before. So what actually ends up happening to those gritty kids is they get disconnected right? And they're the ones who end up as workaholics, who do it all themselves, who are burnt out because they're never asking for help. They're so hardworking at any cost, which really leads to that isolation. And then when things get too much, right, and too overwhelming, and they experience stress, they have no coping skills whatsoever. And boy, will they never ask for help. So I think that that's really important to think about. So I'm just going to jump in with some of the few traits that we can really focus on. And so as I go through this, think about these skill traits in your own children, in your students, and clients you work with, whatever your role is with children and teens. And so we can start looking at what are those key pieces that we can start working on. So first, of course, is emotion regulation. I mean, that's key for resilience, right? So their ability to well, identify, manage, express those emotions in a healthy and constructive way. So that includes any stress, but it also includes those big emotions. It could be fear or sadness, you know, whatever comes up in a stressful or challenging situation. So that ability to regulate those emotions, it's crucial to prevent them from overwhelming their capacity to function or to cope. By regulating their emotions, kids can engage in adaptive responses. So they're using effective coping strategies rather than maladaptive ones. Maladaptive ones being avoidance or acting out big behaviors, right? Teens, it might be smoking a joint, right? Turning to marijuana or booze or just chilling out on a video game. So looking at those maladaptive coping strategies. For children, this really means learning and understanding and labeling their emotions. Then when they're able, they've got that self-awareness, they can find appropriate ways to respond to them. They can face problems head on, right? Without becoming overly emotional, they can seek support when needed, not in a clingy dependency way. And they really can maintain a balanced perspective, right? So that that emotion regulation, it's so important for being able to keep, I mean, our prefrontal cortex online so we can think clearly and we can make good decisions. When we get so highly aroused, that high emotional arousal, it just, the Wi-Fi goes offline. It clouds judgment. It leads to impulsive and usually emotional behaviors, so regulating emotions, it really helps maintain that clarity and focus, which is so important in navigating whatever difficult situation we face. 
And we know consistent emotion regulation, it really contributes to to overall psychological well-being. It helps in maintaining a stable mood, a positive mood, and that's really important, especially if we are going through and recovering from a really hard, challenging time. So we've got our emotion regulation. Another component is the ability to think critically and to solve problems, right? So when we can regulate our emotions, now we can think clearly, solve problems, and think critically. So that helps kids to effectively handle and resolve whatever challenges they're encountering. Those skills, of course, it's going to include identifying problems, right? Generating solutions, evaluating the different options that they have, and then going and implementing strategies or whatever the plan is. So that's all important for overcoming obstacles. They're the ones who are looking for those solutions rather than dwelling on the problems. So those problem-solving skills, it's so crucial for strengthening their ability to adapt to change. And we live in an ever-changing world. So these resilient people, they can assess changing situations. They can adjust their strategies if it's not working and find new ways to move forward. Oh, plan A didn't work. So what's plan B? That didn't work. What's plan C? Ooh, C is almost there. How can we tweak it? So you can see that flexibility is really important too. That's another important trait here. So to be able to find creative ways, whether it's a completely new way or just tweaking what we already have to be able to overcome any obstacles and and that adaptability too. So being able to adapt in, in the face of any change, in the face of any unexpected events that happen or outcomes, right? Just change is a part of life. And so being able to learn to adjust our plans and expectations accordingly is really important. So I'm going to give a few examples of different things here. So if we have Aiden, maybe Aiden Aiden is, you know, a student doing a group presentation at school um, about renewable energy. But, you know, they have to come up with a unique sort of topic and they find out that their topic, their presentation is the exact same focus as another group. And they only have, you know, a few days left to come up with something new. And the other group is so far along that they're the ones who have to change and adjust. Everybody's grumbling. Everybody's having a really hard time with this and freaking out. But Aiden high resilience. So he's realizing, you know, the overlap. And instead of panicking or giving up, like some of his other group members are, he's jumping in and he's encouraging his group to see this as a chance to coming up with something even better, even more creative, right? And so it's like, yes, okay, let's take this not as a threat, but as a challenge to rise up. And so, you know, Aiden is a kiddo who's had lots of opportunities doing collaborative problem solving, brainstorming, and having these discussions with his family, lots of things that I've talked about in previous episodes. So he's lots of experience being able to guide the group to brainstorm ideas. He does really well with listening. So he's listening to everybody's ideas, no matter how unconventional or stupid, quote unquote, that, you know, he thinks that they might be. So by doing that, we're allowing them to think outside the box. We're never judging their ideas. Aiden is able to use critical thinking to help the the group, you know, look at the pros and cons, look at the feasibility of their ideas, the outcome of their ideas, you know, which one should we do? do? Now, this is actually a 10-year-old kiddo. And yes, a 10-year-old kiddo can absolutely do it. But in order to do so, and even younger kids 
do too, but they need to have lots of exposure to these processes, right? So Aiden is a kid who has worked with me, well, his family's worked with me to be able to do these family meetings and this collaborative problem solving around whatever issues come up, chores, doing homework, sibling rivalry, all of these pieces. He's had enough exposure. And so that's really important. And so, you know, by now going through this process and looking for solutions rather than dwelling on the problem, Aiden is able to lead his group to find that creative, innovative idea to have positive outcomes and not just stress and throw something, you know, partial together. So an important part of this is when kids successfully navigate a challenge like this, it's really building their confidence. So not only Aiden, but also his group members, they're able to feel more confident at the end of this. They're learning that, hey, this big, huge obstacle was thrown in our way. We didn't think we could do it, but we did. We overcame it with keeping our prefrontal cortex online, thinking critically, and now we're going to collaborate. They did it on their own without any additional adult guidance. And then, you know, the the experience really teaches the group important life skills. So that flexibility and adaptability, the critical thinking, the importance of using feedback from others, and just continuous improvement collaborating and negotiating and compromising as a group as well. There's lots of different pieces here. So that ability to manage their emotions, that's what Aiden was doing. He was regulating his emotions. He was using his problem-solving brain, right? So when we regulate our emotions, we can be flexible. We can problem-solve. That's really reinforcing that sense of agency. The belief that I can handle it, whatever the situation is. I can overcome whatever challenge I face. So this is really self-efficacy. This is another key aspect of resilience. It's really encouraging proactive engagement with challenges rather than running away. So being able to regulate emotions, have that strong problem-solving skills, that's going to reduce the perceived magnitude of the stressors in the first place so that they can believe, I can handle it. Problems are seen as solvable rather than challenges that are insurmountable, right? And so that's important. And so when it looks like it's a challenge versus a threat and I can handle it, there's not going to be as much anxiety. There's not going to be the same helplessness and hopelessness and dependency. So that self-efficacy, believing in one's ability to handle the challenge is so important. And a lot of it comes through experience, right? So we need to make sure they're having lots of opportunities to experience that. That self-efficacy is really nurtured through those experiences specifically with success, as well as learning from failures, Right. So once again, we have to make sure that children and teens are having those opportunities in the first place and really, really taking up that lesson of whatever the failure, quote unquote, was. It's not a failure if we're learning from it. Right. It's just another opportunity for that development. Now, with that self-efficacy, we see that resilient children, they're often optimistic. They can maintain a positive outlook even in the face of a difficulty. OK, there's a challenge here. It's kind of like MacGyver, right? There's a challenge here but I know I've got the resources 
and support to be able to overcome it. I'm not just going to sit here and give up. So this positive expectancy really influences their approach to problems and and their persistence in solving those problems too. So it's this optimistic, and I don't want to say optimistic outlook that everything is hunky-dory. It's just that they know that they've got the skills and they feel confident that they're able to overcome it. And so that's just fueling their confidence more even in the middle of this difficult time. So that's going to reduce the likelihood of them giving up whenever, you know, things get tough. And they approach hard situations with that challenge response. That's so important versus the threat response, right? So they know that they're going to succeed or they have confidence that they will. And again, this is going to be a good learning opportunity rather than something to run away from. So next time this group is going to be the first one to make sure what is everybody else doing, right? They're going to be on the ball with that. So it was a great learning opportunity. Our resilient children and teens can use humor as well as a coping mechanism. So I'll give an example of another one. Let's say we have a 12-year-old girl, we'll call her Carrie, moving to a new city, therefore starting a new school. Situate The, the situation, especially at that age, is naturally stressful. I mean, any age, but that's a, a big piece too, leaving behind all their friends. So, and that's just it. She's leaving behind all of her friends at such a critical point in development. She's also leaving behind familiar environment, familiar teacher, right? Where she was, where she knew she was successful. So a resilient child like Carrie, you know, when she gets there, she might joke with her parents on the first day at school, like maybe, you know, at least I'm not going to have trouble remembering anybody's names because I don't even know anybody. So I'm off the hook, right? So it's just a lighthearted comment just to show that, you know, she can find humor even though it really is a scary, daunting situation. And humor, we know, just eases the tension, right? It cuts a little thin, you know, slice out of the anxiety of the first day back to school in a new place. She can joke around maybe when she comes into the class, you know, maybe when she's talking to her her old friends on video chat. So it's just focusing on the exciting aspects of the new school. So yes, there are a lot of things that I'm worried about and I'm also really excited for this, right? It's not an either or, it's a both and. So maybe there's different clubs that she might join. Maybe she's going to have new friends. She can't wait to meet her new teachers, Sure, she's going to have moments of homesickness, but a resilient child like Carrie, maybe she's creating a humorous blog, right? The the New Kid Chronicles or something like that, where she's just writing funny stories and 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 writing um, about her adventures and misadventures in a new school, especially at a pivotal age like that. So it's a creative outlet that just helps her process her feelings and allows her to view those experiences through a lens of humor. It doesn't take the stress away. It's not downplaying. It's just helping to cope with the challenges adjusting to that new environment. So these are a few things that we can look at. And again, humor, I'm always talking about humor to respond to anxiety and big emotions because there's so many benefits. I mean, Carrie's use of humor in this situation, it just helps her, like I said, manage and process the stress and the anxiety about being in a new school, being in a big city having to meet all these new people and new friends. And by focusing on those positives and finding the humor in the situation, she's able to adapt more quickly to her environment and learn and thrive, which is resilience. So that humorous and positive attitude just makes it easier for her to make new friends and to connect with her peers better than if she was shy and quiet and not talking to anyone, right? So that approach really exemplifies resilience. 
So we're, we're using humor. We're maintaining that positive outlook that I can handle it. She's going to navigate and thrive in that challenging situation. And so, yes, it's a very potentially difficult transition that could create a lot of stress and can be debilitating for some kids. But for a resilient kid, it just turns into an opportunity for growth and new experiences. Okay, so that can be helpful. Now, I just want to say, like, I'm always hesitant to say positive outlook because I've talked about this before. I don't want to say that we always need to see things positively, always looking for the silver lining. It should really be a balanced view, right, where they can share the hard parts, the lonely parts. We're going to validate those parts, but then also and the excited parts, right? So it's having that really balanced view is important. Another key trait is social competence. Resilient children tend to have strong social skills. They can communicate well, they show empathy, and that empathy is actually just another key trait as well. So in in, in being able to identify, understand, and share other people's feelings, these children can also make and maintain friendships, right? So now with these friends, they have that supportive network. So let's say we have another child that I know I realize that I'm thinking of ones that are all about the same age, but grade six, Layla, um, she has a new student joining her class mid-year. Okay, so Sam has just come in as a new student who seems really shy. So this is one of those kids who aren't resilient like, like Carrie, super shy quiet, head down, has difficulty integrating, you know, Sam's often sitting alone, not participating in any group activities, just really quiet and will just sit there. But Layla is one of those resilient children who's very sensitive to their own and other people's feelings. They feel those big emotions and they're very empathetic and caring. Oftentimes we talk about these sensitive kids, you know, especially our ADHD ones, and it's a problem, you know, that they're so sensitive all the time, but it's actually a strength when we know how to use them. But she's the one who will notice that Sam is isolated. And so she'll approach him, right? She's the one who's going to introduce herself and invite him. Hey, why don't you guys, you, why don't you come hang out with us? for lunch so you know she's the one who's going to ask him about where he came from right trying to find common ground what are your interests what do you like just helping him feel more comfortable recognizing that sam might be feeling overwhelmed she's sharing her own experience of being in a new place and how she was able to manage that she's listening attentively when sam talks she's showing genuine interest and understanding i mean these are things that i find so many of the younger generation are just missing these opportunities There's so many reasons why I'm not going to get into it, but these are the types of things that we want to really look out for kids. And if they don't have them, how can we nurture these, which I will be getting to in the future. So she is essentially taking that initiative to create that inclusive classroom that we want, right? She's encouraging others to be more welcoming and understanding of Sam. So it's her her ability to empathize, to communicate, to resolve any conflicts that come up, right? Those types of things strengthen her relationship with her peers, enhances that support network. All of these things are so important. And, and you know, Layla is a child who's probably had a lot of role models in her own life doing all of these things as well. The role models are super important. So these resilient kids, they can express themselves effectively. They can show empathy. They can foster their friendships. These skills are crucial in navigating social dynamics, and it really contributes significantly to their overall resilience and well-being. So that's another piece 
Um, another key trait too is the sense of purpose, right? What are the goals that they're working towards? That sense of purpose is so important. It provides direction and motivation, especially during those difficult times. So children and teens with a sense of purpose, they often have clear expectations, goals, aspirations that are driving their actions and their decisions. So, you know, that's something else that we want to think of. Um, when we've got that purpose, it gives life a sense of meaning, right? And it just helps motivate them to overcome whatever challenge or obstacle that they're facing right now. So that strong sense of purpose is what's going to fuel their persistence, their engagement, right? And and we we see that, you know, 20, 25% of students aren't even engaged in school and learning, right? So we really want to make sure we've got that sense of purpose and the relevance. If you're a teacher, you know, why is, how is this relevant? What is the purpose? That is so important for them. When they have that, that's what's going to fuel their persistence and engagement. So these resilient children, they're typically focused on and dedicated to things that align with their goals. So when we have a clear sense of purpose, it can just serve as a buffer against whatever stressors and adversity are out there because they have a long-term view. Right now, this is hard, but I've got this long-term picture of where I'm going. And so that's going to help them look beyond their current difficulties and, and move towards that more meaningful goal. We know big emotions want to keep us stuck right here and now, right? Um, it, well, it's usually in the past or in the future, but not, you know, what is it that I need to do? But we're stuck here with the belief that the world is going to end. And so that sense of purpose, which is fueled by, you know, values and things that are important to us, that's what helps keep us, you know, the longer term, bigger picture and perspective. But the children with low resilience, they have a hard time seeing beyond the immediate challenge, right? They have a hard time seeing that it's going to get better. They feel like it's permanent. It's always going to be like this. And so therefore, it doesn't matter what I do. They're not seeing that their efforts can actually make a change. It's not going to contribute to future aspirations. So I think that that's really important. Purpose also drives gold goal-directed behavior, which is a key aspect of resilience as well. It gives us psychological strength. So these are components that equip our kids with the tools to manage emotional responses, to problem solve, to maintain motivation, engagement, you know, no matter what the stressor and, and adversity is in our life. So let's take um, a student who's a little bit older, 15-year-old Julie. She's concerned about the environment. So she's got, you know, some larger environmental sort of issues. So the effects of plastic and the pollution on marine life specifically. So she's showing a sense of purpose by setting a goal to reduce plastic in her school, right? Just baby steps. We're starting small, but that she's got that purpose and her purpose is driven by that passion for the environment and for animals and, and wanting to make a tangible difference in her community. So maybe she starts an environmental club at school, Maybe she's organizing cleanup drives. So those actions are reflecting her commitment to that goal, to that purpose, something that's very important to her. And so she's showcasing purpose-driven motivation. That's so important. And when Julie encounters any skepticism, maybe there's resistance from her peers. This is dumb. I just want to go play my video game. She 
is optimistic. She's got that positive outlook that, okay, that sucks, but I know I'm still going to figure it out. She believes that her efforts are still going to lead to change. She's not stuck here. It's hopeless. Nobody's going to help me. I'm not going to get anywhere. So she's going to, you know, continue to advocate passionately for her cause. And so that's really important. So we can start to see some of the traits as, uh, at play here that I've talked about as with most of the things that we do. I mean, her project faces several hurdles. I'm sure most of you, when I said it, was like, oh, yeah, I roll. What is a teenager going to be able to do? So there's probably logistical issues, right? Nobody wants to participate. But because she's got this, you know, I'm not going to give up. I'm I'm still going to do it. So I, she's got that positive outlook that she can handle it, that sense of purpose. It keeps her going. And now she's adaptable, she's creative, she's flexible, so she's going to adapt her strategies. Maybe now instead of going to peer, she's going to seek support from teachers or other adults and find creative ways, you know, to, to try to find, um, to get maybe peers or other people involved. So we can see how having a sense of purpose and that optimistic outlook can really manifest in resilient children. Julie's interests combined with that hopeful, goal-oriented approach just again, helps her navigate the situation. So those traits are integral in building resilience because now kids like Julie, they've got that motivation and perspective to persevere, right? No matter how hard the situation is. So all of these things we can see just kind of feed into each other. Uh, another important trait too that I've talked a lot about in all of my episodes about anxiety is curiosity. Remember, because curiosity keeps our prefrontal cortex online and it's it gives us the willingness to explore and try new things. So curious students, they have intrinsic interest. They want to learn about the world around them. So that trait drives children to ask questions, to investigate and explore their surroundings. It helps them engage with new ideas, to embrace novel experiences with enthusiasm. So that curiosity, I mean, it's just such a rich learning experience because they're motivated to go beyond the surface and they want to jump into things that they're interested in. And so it's it's fueling and strengthening other things like creativity and innovation. Curious children, they think outside the box and they can come up with unique solutions to problems. The the reason why we are here today and the way, you know, way technology has evolved and everything in our life has evolved as it is, it's from those creative, resilient people, right? They're innovative. And that curiosity can enhance other things too, like social development, because children can understand and want to understand different perspectives, right? Learn from different cultures. That curiosity opens door to uh, new experiences, to new knowledge, right? And it's, it's important for managing emotions and anxiety. I'm always talking about when we've got this big anxious overwhelm, curiosity is going to help us. Finally, I, I know I could probably talk forever about these. Another key trait is persistence. And you've heard me talk about it pretty much with every example that I've given. It's that determination to keep going no matter what the setbacks are. So those traits, well, especially, you know, with the perseverance, it really empowers them to continue striving towards those goals, no matter what the challenge, no matter the failure, right? Right. Failure being just in the moment, <laughs> whatever is going on, it didn't turn out how they expected. They're going to overcome it. So it's sustaining their efforts, sustaining that dedication to achieve a particular outcome, no matter what the obstacle or delay or, you know, naysayers or whatever else is going on for them. So persistent children, they view setbacks as temporary. 
It's not a permanent, this will never get better. It's just a temporary setback. And it's an opportunity for learning. It's not a sign of defeat. So that trait is so crucial for long-term success for any endeavor that children you know, want to pursue because it's helping them overcome any disappointments, any frustrations, unexpected events. And that persistence teaches them the value of hard work and determination. And it's fostering that resilience because they're learning they can overcome the obstacles through their efforts, through being flexible and keeping with it. So one more example, let's take Alex, a 16-year-old who's passionate about sports. So let's specifically say basketball, okay? So despite being one of the shorter players on the team, Alex has a lot of persistence. He's attending every single practice. He's putting in extra time and work, you know, maybe on his dribbling skills or shooting skills. He's watching basketball games to learn from professional players. He's videotaping his own games to learn about, you know, what am I doing well? What do I need to work on? When he's not performing well in the game, he's not getting disheartened. He's asking for feedback. He's asking his coach or parents or whomever, right? And, and then he wants to take that feedback to work hard to improve. So that persistence really pays off. So even though he's short and maybe doesn't come in with the skills that other kids did, he's becoming one of the most skilled players on the team. And I've seen this in Ringette, my girls play Ringette, where some kids will be C, C at the bottom of the barrel, like low level of division. And now, at you know, over a few years, now they're A players because they worked that much harder. And I see it even in one season. You know, some of the players were like, oh, how did you make this team? But they are there at every single practice and they're doing the extra clinics and workshops and practicing on their own. And their improvement is so significant that they are astounding. And I've seen these astounding, you know, transformations in skills. So now they're being admired for their dedication and resilience, right? Not for how good they are but how far they were able to get with that. And, and, and those are the types of things that just start, you know, captured on things like job applications or grant applications or university applications. And yet if we could see and hear those stories, these are the children that I would want or students that I would want to come to my university, right? Because they're showing such great persistence. And, and we can see how that persistence, it's really ensuring that they're going to strive to achieve their goals. So they're going to get in these success loops and they're learning from every step of their journey. So that's a lot of information. Um, once again, I will leave it there for today, but hopefully you've taken in some ideas to be able to, you know, pinpoint, okay, what is it that we're going to work on? So just as we wrap up here, I, I do want you to remember that the traits can be nurtured. It's not that these children are born with them. It just takes some patience. It takes that understanding, consistent support with time. And when we can foster those qualities, we're equipping children with that resilience to face life's challenges. So every week, I want to leave you with a homework activity to focus on. And, and really, it's looking at identifying and nurturing one of those specific traits in whether it's your class of children, your own child, the child that you're working with in the clinic, whatever your role, pick up one of those things that you can really help build on. So choose one of those traits that you believe this child could develop, could continue working on, could be anything from empathy and problem solving 
persistence, whatever that is, if you can spend a few minutes in the next few days, if you're not sure, and even if you are sure, just observe how does this trait manifest or not manifest in their behaviors, right? So a persistent child is going to, okay, this is tough. Let's find a different way. The non-resilient child is going to give up, right? Or who doesn't have great persistence, they're just going to immediately give up. Or, you know, can you help me do this? I can't do it. It's too hard. So notice the situations where it comes into play and how the child responds. And every day, engage in one action that supports and strengthens that whatever that trait is. So if you've chosen empathy, for example, maybe involve that child in an activity that requires understanding other people's feelings. So maybe you're reading a story and talking about the character's emotions. At the end of a week, you know, have a conversation about that trait, about empathy or persistence or whatever it is. Discuss what they think about it, you know, how they think it helps them, where where they could work on it and how it could help that situation, maybe what they've learned about themselves. You could encourage a child, if they're writing, to journal their experiences related to what that trait is throughout the week. And if they're too young, maybe you can journal on behalf of them or create a simple drawing or storyboard together, those types of things can be really helpful. So we're just, you know, helping you and the child become more aware of the resilient traits, the ones that they do possess, or, you know, everybody's got some of them. It's just how strong are they and how much more can we strengthen them? And then understanding how we can consciously nurture them and consciously develop them in everyday life. And I will be getting, you know, in in the following weeks, different ideas, but hopefully for at least now identifying that. And if you can start thinking about, you know, if not now, at least identify it, notice when it comes up or doesn't come up. And then in future episodes, I will be talking a little bit more about nurturing it. But if you've got ideas too, you can jump into that. Anyways, thank you for to oh man, I've lost my words now. Thank you for tuning in to Overpowering Emotions. Um, make sure you watch out for all the posts this week. I'm going to have a lot just on the resilient traits. And then of course, join me next week when I continue our journey of resilience. Until then, keep nurturing resilient children, help those kiddos be bold and courageous, and I will see you then.